Good evening and welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 178, Choose Life, the Case for Jesus Christ. Before I start, I have a couple of reflections for you. Last week, I taught Hold Fast to Your Faith When All Hell Breaks Loose, and that was a Monday evening. And Tuesday, I learned uh, by a phone call from my niece, she said, started off, have you heard the news? Of course, I hadn't heard the news, but I braced myself to hear very tragic news. And she was sharing that there was a shooting at my daughter's college and that there were bodies uh, that were dead on the campus. So immediately I did want to call my daughter before I could actually call her. She had a text message to let me know, mom, I'm in a shelter in place and there's a shooter. I was calm enough because I realized she was okay. But at the same time, I wanted to pray because if there had been loss of life. I knew there were going to be people who were going to be grieving just as we have been. And I, there was still an active shooter, but I wanted, I was so close. You guys, you don't know to getting on camera and speaking, opening my mouth to praise God and to share who God was, uh, because Satan wants us to cower and to be in fear. And I said, I would wait until milkshake Monday, but I just want to give praise to the Lord for the fact that Lives, yes, were lost. And I'm not praising that, but I'm praising the fact that those men sacrificed their lives so that my daughter and other daughters and sons and faculty members and other law enforcement and so many other people were able to live. And I'm grateful to those two officers and their families, which sacrificed the greatest that they could give, which was their lives. Also, I'm going to say that um, a week or so ago, I was listening to a preacher And as I was passing through this channel, I heard him say, when you have Jesus Christ, you are in the majority. And it just struck me, not that it was anything greatly profound about what he said, but what he was explaining to us that many of us try to win arguments. Many of us try to have these people all on our side. But if you're standing on the side of Jesus Christ and his word and his truth. That is the majority opinion. Jesus plus nothing is everything. And he is all encompassing. He is the great I am. And if you're standing on the truth of his word, that's enough. That's enough. So tonight I'm using this expression, the case for Jesus Christ. And because of that, we're going to be in a court of law for this first visual, um, example. And because that I'm going to pretend like I'm scholarly and I'm going to wear these readers. Okay. So I just want you to have this visualization. I want you to imagine that we're in the court of law and that many of you understand that with a court, there's the judge, prosecutor, defense, you have a jury, but a lot of people don't realize that after you go through the case, there is a verdict and there's sentencing. And based on the sentencing determines if you're going to prison or jail and how long you're going to go for and where you're going to go sometimes. But everybody's all excited about the case of the evidence. But if the evidence doesn't support that you are found guilty or if you're not found innocent, then there's a consequence of that. So I want you to have this scenario that the case has been finished in this case. The judge is sitting there. The jury's been dismissed. The prosecuting attorney has received these letters. These are letters that are victim testimonies in cases. And the judge is also recognizing that he has a sentencing guideline. All these things are in the court of law. The defense is hoping for their client 
for the best possible outcome. It's too late to do a plea deal and all that kind of stuff. But in the case here, the judge lets the defendant know that based on what he has in his authority, he has the ability. In this case, the sentencing guidelines tells him clearly what the range of the time he should serve, but he's received this one letter. And this one letter is from someone so important and so significant that he said, based on this one letter that he's received, he has the ability to free the defendant, even though the evidence is totally overwhelming that he's guilty. And because of this letter and this person saying what they're saying in this letter, he's going to give the defendant a choice. And before he tells him that choice, he's going to say, I got to tell you something personal. The letter is written from my only son and he's the sovereign of all the law in this land. And he said, even though he knows you're guilty, He's willing to exchange places for your guilt to let you go free, but he wants it to be your choice. Now, as the judge, the judge is saying to you, I'm agreeing with my son in this case because my son cares for you. And because my son cares for you, I care for you. But he says, it's your choice. And I'm going to tell you something. I recommend you choose life and not death. Now, the, the defendant is looking there, looking strange. And all of his family members and everybody around him, even his defense attorney is wondering, why doesn't he look happy? And he's pondering, he's, he's thinking about it, he's wondering, and Everybody's like, how could you wonder about this? It's a free get out of jail card. It's an exchange of you get to get off and this person's going to take your place. But the defendant says, I choose death. I don't want this offer. And everybody is freaking out. How could you choose death? Even the judge tells you to choose life. But this defendant thinks that there's a trick. He doesn't trust this deal. He's got questions. He just doesn't want to. It doesn't feel right to him. He just is going to rely on his own self and he could take it. He can take whatever he's got coming in the prison. And so you said this is a ridiculous argument. This could never happen. This is happening every day. Jesus Christ has given us the free opportunity for salvation through his blood that he's already given. And he says, Repent and choose life and let his blood cover the stains of sin that all of us have. But there are people that say, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't want Jesus. I don't like any of this stuff about religion. It's a lie. It's fake. It's white man's religion. It's all this stuff. I'm not having it. I can go to hell. Who cares? What about hell? I don't care about hell. I can take it. Just as stupid as this example. The reason why I wanted to do Choose Life is because I'm realizing every day that young people and even the people that were in harm's way at Bridgewater and the colleges that were having bomb threats and the death that happened at the, the there's so many examples every day that are young people in harm's way. And the reality of the statistics, statistics say that 
most Christians that are really sincere in their faith actually make decisions as late teenage in their early 20s. Not to say that older people cannot accept Christ. I'm not saying that. But a lot of young adults make a decision for Christ and they stick with it because they have, when they make that decision, they really are on fire for the Lord. So I wanted to present something that's simple enough to talk about the word of God, but also to show young people and old people like that it's important. And why is it so important about choosing Jesus Christ? So we're going to start with Deuteronomy. Well, no, let me tell you the example about the majority. I, I wanted to go back to that for a second. The reason why I brought up the majority is because young people are very, influenced by their peers and the, you know, they want to be cool. They want to be in the in crowd, but the in crowd is thinking that I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. They think that a relationship with Jesus is, Hey, do it or you don't No, it's not. You do it or you don't. It's a matter that if you don't, you're going to hell. If you do, you can spend eternity with God, but there are times where you have to stand against the majority of people even if it means you standing firm about the Lord Jesus Christ and God Almighty. And I wanted to give you an example in Numbers, and I want you to go to Numbers chapter 13. I won't read it all because of time. The backup is Moses has asked 12 spies to go and, uh, and look at the land that God has told is the promised land. Ten of the spies come back with a report to say, no way. We are like grasshoppers. We just can't overcome. But two of those spies, Joshua and Caleb, basically say that we could take this land. And they say in this operative verse of chapter 14, verse eight, that if the Lord wants and is with us and desires for us to take this land, we could do it. Not because of you 10 that say we can't or all you people that are cowering and are going to be complaining in a few moments, but because if the Lord, that majority, the almighty God says it, that's enough. End of story. And I want y'all to understand something. The only, they were, they say there could be almost 2 million people that came out of Egypt and that old generation all died off except for two the same two that stood on the ground of trusting God. And that was Joshua and Caleb. Everybody else in the old group died and a new generation came behind them. So let me just read a couple of scriptures. We're going to start at Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to put these readers on again. It says verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we see having the wrong attitude about who you are thinking of you lesser when you have God on your side. Verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone are sp as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Jump down to chapter 14, verse eight, because all that noise that you're going to read with those cowards who trust themselves versus God are saying, we can't do this. But God is telling each and every one of us with God, all things are possible. That has not changed. But here in verse eight of chapter 14 of numbers, here's what they say. Joshua talking. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us 
into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. I just wanted y'all to see that because as we start to talk about this case, a lot of people are going to say, there's no way that you should be following after Jesus Christ because that's old school. We need to look at new stuff. We need to look at the new age thing. We need to be bothering with crystals. We need to be doing with this. We need to do tarot cards. We need to do all this satanic things that they have. But in reality, that's still no good. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 30, I'm going to read out of the New King James only because it talks about the choice a little clearer than Amplified, but I'm going to read the Amplified. So let's start at verse 19 of Deuteronomy 30. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. Now, why am I talking about the case of Jesus Christ? I want you to see We've talked many times in Sunday school and all the teachings you've heard, you go to John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish and have everlasting life. You've heard these scriptures, but after a while it goes, no, you know, just get noise. I want to share with you the scripture that allows us to see Christ in his deity, in his power, in his glory, that you're, you're thumbing your nose at the sovereign Lord. And remember the father, son, and Holy spirit are one. And we we look at Christ as, as the savior. Yes, but he's also full deity. The Holy spirit, the son and the father are all one. They're all one. And in the scripture, he's telling you to choose life. Now this part that I want you to see in the amplified version of that same scripture of Deuteronomy 30, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I've set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Therefore you shall, they put you shall to tell you not this word of new King James said, choose life. Like it's not even a choice, but Amplify says you shall, but the reality is you have a choice. You think the choice would be easy. Like my visual example, but in reality, we all have a choice. And he says, you shall choose life in order that you may live you and your descendants. And you think if you don't love yourself, you love even your family by loving the Lord, your God, by obeying his voice and by holding closely to him for he's your life, your good life, your abundant life, your fulfillment and the length of your days that you may live in the land, which the Lord promised and swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now we're going to go to revelation because I want us to see God in his deity. I know we, people have talked when they want to prove that Christ is black because they talk about his wool hair. It says Christ is a Jew. He may be a man of color as a Jewish man, but they didn't say he was African American. They said he was a Jew. And in Revelations 1, verses 4 through 9, and then 12 through 18, as the other verses, we're going to read about Christ. And I want you to hear, now, there's a scripture that says, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. Because you've heard a lot, but I want you to understand why you need to choose life. Because 
this is the good part of Revelation, meaning the, all of Revelations is good, but the positive part to show you how powerful he is, how loving he is, how he's the beginning and the end, and how if you do receive the life that he has, the liberty of his salvation, you have hope. And if you choose not, then the consequence, I'm going to show you that too, as, as far as in Revelation. So let me read this. John, to the seven churches that are in the province of Asia, grace be granted to you and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from him, who is existing forever and who was continually existing in the past and who is to come and from the seven spirits are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful and trustworthy always loves us. I, I skipped something. The faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who always loves us and who has once for all freed us or washed us from our sins by our own blood, by his own blood, his sacrificial death and formed us into a kingdom as his majesty and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all the tribes, nations of the earth will mourn over him, realizing their sin and guilt and anticipating the coming wrath. So it is to be. Amen. Verse eight says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is existing forever and who was continually existing in the past and who is to come the almighty, the omniscient, the ruler of all. One of the things I want to tell y'all, I've already soaked you in a little bit. When you get to a situation and if you find yourself rejecting Jesus Christ, choosing death, I want you to understand something. Everything that I have read to you, said to you tonight, you will have it stored in your brain. Because if you find yourself in hell, you will still have your memories and all of those people in your path that begged you, asked you, told you about the word of God, pleaded with you to accept Christ, pleaded with you to receive the gift of his salvation, to choose life as you're in hell being tormented. You were going to be tormented by the fact that you rejected and you found yourself there. And everybody that could was telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't go there. But yet you made that choice. Just like that visualization we had that defendant, you made the choice, even though the freedom and liberty, the salvation was there. You knew better. Now let's go on to verse 12 of Revelation 1 because I want you to see that as well. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. Remember we're talking about John at Patmos. And after turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstand, I saw someone like the son of man dressed in a robe, reaching to his feet and with a golden sash wrapped around his chest, his head and his hair were like, white wool, glistening white, like snow. And his all seeing eyes were flashing like a flame of fire, piercing into my being. His feet were like burnished white, hot bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was powerful, like the sound of many waters. 
In his right hand, he held seven stars and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword of judgment and his face reflecting his majesty in the Shekinah glory was like the sun shining in all its power at midday. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last absolute deity, the son of God and the ever living one living in and beyond all time and space. I died, but see, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of absolute control and victory over death and of Hades, the realm of the dead. Now, Jump over to Revelations 19, 6 through 10. If you don't have a picture of Jesus after I finish this, shame on you. You need to read the Bible. You need to study to show yourself approved. Revelations 19, verses 6 through 10. The coming of Christ, the conqueror. Verse 11. I'm sorry, I'm going to start at verse... I am going to start at verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who was riding it, is called faithful and true, trustworthy, loyal, incorruptible, steady, and in righteousness he judges and wages war on the rebellious nations. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many royal crowns, and he has a name inscribed on him, which no one knows or understands except himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, dressed in fine linen, dazzling white and clean, followed him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, his word, in which he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he will tread the winepress on the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty in judgment of the rebellious world. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name inscribed, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, the last part about life I want to show you about Jesus Christ is in Revelations 21, and we'll start at verse 5 through 8. I want you to read all of Revelation 21, but for time's sake, start at verse 5. This part, when people talk to me about, um, how you doing? How you doing, Anita? And I tell them about Revelations 21. I don't have to worry about William Helm. William Helm has a new name, a glorified body. He is, I can tell y'all, William or Bill, or whoever, whatever name you calling him, he is excited, thrilled, happy. He knows that the people he loves, that he left behind, that know Christ, he'll see them again. And for the people that are playing games, he's praying you're going to hear and listen and listen to all the preacher friends that he knows and all the streaming videos and need or whoever else it comes in your path and pray God that you will repent and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ so you can see him again. But it won't be because they're not people out here sharing the message of God. It's because you're going to be like that foolish defendant that thinks you know better and will refuse the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is his salvation. So let's start at verse five. Verse five says, and he who sits on the throne, we're talking about Christ, said, behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, right for these words are faithful and true. They are accurate and corruptible and trustworthy. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the one who thirsts, that's you and I, 
That's those of you who are looking for something, have that void in your life, seeking after something you're trying to fill it with drugs and alcohol and sex and all these things. But you're thirsting after having a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Surrender and give your life over to him. But he says here, he says to the one who thirst, I will give water from the fountain of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes the world by adhering faithfully to Christ as Lord and savior will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowards, those defendants, those people, rejectors of Jesus Christ, I'm going to talk to you for a second because I don't want you to get it confused. This case has a choice and you're not going to be thrown in a prison with cells and Wi-Fi and weightlifting and gear and, and cards for people to put money on your account. None of that's going to happen in hell. But for them, verse eight says, but as for the cowards and unbelieving and abominable who are devoid of character and personal integrity and practice or tolerate immortal immorality and murderers and sorcerers with intoxicating drugs and idolaters and occultists who practice and teach false religions and all the liars who knowingly deceive and twist truth. Their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We're going to talk about death because there's a choice. Choose life or death. Blessings or cursing. The Lord says, choose life. Says you shall. He's telling you to do it but you know better, you smarter because yourself, your selfish brain and, and heart and things in you think you know better than God. But I want you to see from the beginning in Matthew 16, verse 24, the Lord says, if you're going to follow him, you need to deny yourself because yourself will say he's not good enough. Yourself will say, I don't need Jesus because I'm, I, I am my own God. That's what yourself will do. And you'll think, oh, I'm not like that. Really? You don't want to read the Bible and learn about his word, the two-edged sword. You don't want to go to worship and forsake not the assembly of the believers together. You don't want to be a part of the fellowship or the body. You don't want to read the word. You don't want to hear the word. You don't want to do anything that God tells you about the gifts that he's given you or the fact that he's given you blessings of financial income and assets. That's all yours. That's all yours. You don't want to deny anything about self because guess what? Satan and you are just fine serving self, piling on self. But look what it says in Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciples, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interest and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing conforming to my example and living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Remember the Hebrew boys from last week? Facing the fiery furnace, facing the king's wrath. Even so, we will not bow or worship your image. Some of us have to get to the point of the even so to follow him. But for those who say, I don't want Jesus. I don't want nothing to do with it. I want to follow after Buddha and Allah and all these other things. And, and God said, God says it's only way to the father is through the son and Allah and, and all these other false gods aren't his way. 
But here's in verse in chapter Revelations 20 verses 11 through 15. This is the death. This is those of you to say that you know better. You want to follow after yourself. This is what death looks like. And I want to just show you an example. And then I want to give you a little perspective. Verse 11 says, and I saw a great white throne and him who was seated upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them for this heaven and earth are passing away. And I saw the dead, the great and the small. Remember, there are big wigs and there are little pawns, meaning the little people behind them that follow these false idols that they set up in this world, the liars, the cheats, the murderers and all that stuff, the big wigs that have big lawyers and everybody else is just following blindly. But in this case, I saw the dead, the great and the small standing before the throne and books were open. Then another book was open, which is the book of life. That's the people that chose life. But the great white throne is for those that chose death and refused the free gift of God's salvation through his son. Those stupid defendants that chose to die versus to take the free gift of liberty in Jesus Christ. And it says, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as written in the books. That is everything done while on earth. And the sea gave up their dead who were in it. And death and Hades, the realm of the dead, surrendered the dead who were in them. And they were judged and sentenced, every one according to their deeds. Then death and Hades, the realm of the dead, were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire, the eternal separation from God. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was hurled into the lake of fire. Now, I'm not being critical of this religion when I say this. There is nothing in the 66 books of the Bible that say that somebody that died, you can pray them in from hell to heaven. There is no discussion of this concept of purgatory. So I want you all to be understanding that you can rely to think that you're praying somebody that's life is gone. They're dead. They've gone back to the dust. They've made their decision in this natural earth. And God has made a choice that they're either in the, I shouldn't say the choice. It's already been known to them because they're all knowing they're either in the book of life or they're in the great white throne and they're going to hell because they've rejected Christ. You don't pray somebody after they're dead to get to a saving relationship with Christ. That's the truth of God's word It's sharper than a two edged sword, but that's God's word. You don't see it in revelations 20 and you don't see it in the 66 books of the Bible which are God's inspired word of God. He didn't add to it. He didn't take away from it. And he said, if you do that, you need to be careful. But let's say somebody's saying, well, we really don't know about hell. You talking all this talk, but you don't even know about hell. So how are you really talking like you know something? The Bible tells about a counter in Luke chapter 16, verse 27 through 31, that story of the rich man and Lazarus. He doesn't even get a name. Lazarus is poor and a beggar with sores and dogs licking off. And he got a name, but the rich man didn't even give a name. But he says when he is talking to Abraham and to Lazarus, he gives a perspective of what's going on in hell because he remembers their name. So he knows Lazarus. So that's why you're going to have your memories. And when you will remember that I'm telling you to choose life and I'm explaining to you why Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And you should choose him because he's died and he's the victor. He's overcomer. He's the great I am, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the mega. 
Come on. He's already told you that I've shared with that, but you're going to haunt. You're going to have a haunting in hell. If you choose to deny Christ, because this is going to be this big video ringing in your ear over and over that lady, I heard her say this, but I just refuse. But look what the rich man says in verse 27 about the people who are still here. He's talking about his brothers, but he can talk about those of us who are here and want to reject. It says he answered. Then I beg you, father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them. This is your warning, flashing light. This is your warning. Choose life, choose life. But he's saying from hell, send somebody back, send Lazarus back to tell my brothers. I don't want them to come here. I care about them enough. I don't want them to come here. And I'm telling you tonight, I care about you tonight. I don't want you to go to hell. That's not my choice to make for you. But I'm telling you the Lord God almighty, it says, choose life. Choose his son, receive the free gift of salvation through Christ. But this guy says, let him warn them so that they will not also come. He's there. He doesn't want his five brothers to also come. And some of your family and your relatives that are so stiff necked, evil, selfish, they're going to also come and find themselves at the great white throne judgment. And the Lord is going to sentence them to the lake of fire. And there is no exit sign. There's no parole hearing. There's no early release program. There's nothing that's going to let you ever come out of hell. Don't believe any lies about that because you are there to stay for all eternity and eternity has no end. It says here, so they, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. I hear people's stupidity. Oh, all the hypocrites going to be there. We're going to have a great party. All the people that are having fun, we're just going to go down there. We don't just have a party. Don't be so stupid and ignorant. Hell is not a play game. It's not a place to play around with. Last Tuesday, those young kids, those faculty members, all of those people, we don't know what stray bullet could have hit any of them. My kid included, but faith knows the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would have been hurt, mourning, broken again. But I know that that child would have found herself in heaven with Jesus. Not so much her dad and her other relatives, but with Jesus Christ. But there are a lot of young people in your family, in your neighborhood, in your sphere of influence. And they're so enamored with this life. They don't understand that this is not it. This is not the finish line for any of them. I don't care how smart. I don't care how many degrees they have, how many bank accounts they have, how many assets they have. This is not it. You are not going out of this world with any of that. What profits a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul. But this guy had everything and he's now in hell and he's tormented and he's worried about his five brothers. And he's saying, I don't want them to come here, but look what happens. Abraham replied in verse 29, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. Let your family members listen to the pastor, listen to the person on the streaming video, listen to the person on the radio, listen to the gospel singer that has a preacher come out, listen to the seeds being dropped at the, the, the water cooler at the job site, 
at the gas station, at the grocery store, on the walk, whatever. Let them listen to the word of God being proclaimed. But guess what? Everyone does not have an ear to hear. So this guy in hell comes back to Abraham when he says they need to listen to the folks that are proclaiming back then. And he says, no, no, Father Abraham, that ain't going to work. Just like he probably saying, no, Nita, that ain't going to work. They ain't going to listen to me. They ain't going to listen to you. They ain't going to listen to my pastor. They ain't going to listen to the grandmother. They ain't going to listen. They ain't going to listen. And he says, no, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Newsflash, Jesus was dead and Jesus rose again and they didn't listen to him. There are so many excuses why people say, oh, if we just had more time, oh, if we just heard, oh, there's so many excuses going on in hell, but none of them mean anything at this point because you have from the time you were naturally born, the hyphen and that end date. And in all that time, you did not accept the free gift of salvation from Jesus Christ. And you choose to reject Christ and you get to the white throne judgment and you're in hell and you go into the lake of fire. You're in there. You're done. You're done. Done. I mean, I'm trying to make it plain. Verse 31, he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Matthew eleven fifteen says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear and heed my words. I wanted to read Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 through 20 as I end this tonight. Just like that court case. The Lord is asking those of you who are teetering thinking about it, like that defendant. Everybody around you is like, who's accepted Christ is like, what is it that you're thinking about? One sin is enough to go to hell. You can't do anything that'll ever be righteous enough to be in the presence of our holy God. There's nothing that you can do to be goody two shoes to earn salvation. There's nothing you can do except for repent and accept Jesus Christ. And the Lord has given you a test of life. And he says the answer, choose life. And if you're still saying, I want to do it my own way, then you know that what Christ says about those who are going to follow him must deny themselves in Matthew 16. So it's not that hard. And he gives you the answer to the test. So I'm going to leave, the, I'm going to leave this Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20 and read it one more time. Maybe you will get it. Maybe God will prick your heart. If it's not tonight, I pray tonight because none of us know the hour of the day that the Lord will return. And we never know when God will pull the breath of life from us and we won't wake up with the alarm clock tomorrow. So I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today, me today, that I've set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Therefore, you shall choose life in order that you may live you and your descendants. It's not just about you, your kids, your grandkids, your family, those people that love and look up to you and respect you. 
Your household is going to hell if you never tell them about Christ. Daddy didn't care. Mama didn't care about Christ. Why should I? I pray that somebody will get to him. If you can't get to him, that will share the message of Christ. But it says that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding closely to him. For he's your life. Not just your life, your good life, your abundant life, your fulfillment and the length of your days that you may live in the land which the Lord promised, swore to give you to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and to Jacob. So it's my prayer that something's been said tonight that will just tell you it's important to make this decision. You know, not making a decision is a decision. You know, that's the reality of it. I'm not being preachy. I'm not being religious. As I tell all my friends that know me, I'm not religious. That's the one thing I got to tell you. I'm not religious. I love God. I want to make it plain. I want to make it plain to you. I don't want you going to hell. I may never see your face, but I pray God that if you don't know Christ, that I could say something tonight to make you choose life, choose Christ. Think about it. Pray about it. Ask God. If you got questions, go to God and talk to him and say, God, help me see the truth. Help me see the light of what you want me to understand. God will make a way to put somebody in your path to get a Bible in front of you and help you to see what thus saith the Lord. The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Those of you that are listening that know Christ and love him, Start sharing the message to everybody you meet, that everybody that God puts in your path. It's getting urgent in the last days and Satan is getting busier. And you all keep saying, I don't understand why these kids are shooting up. I don't understand why all this stuff is happening. We are in the last days and Satan is getting busy because we do not know when the father is going to tell Christ to come back and the rapture and the things are going to happen. The time is moving fast. We need to share about the message of Jesus Christ. I love you and Lord willing, I'll see you next week. God bless you.